0: engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life.
1: But you know what? When you and I take up this call and we talk about abortion... If we speak about it in church, we're told we're too political. If we speak about it in the political arena, we're told we're too religious. If we speak about it in the world of the media, it's too disturbing. In the world of business, it's too distracting. In the world of education, it's too controversial. In the streets, it's too disruptive. So abortion, if abortion is wrong, where do we go to say so? We go into the churches, we go into politics, into the media, into business, into education, and into the streets! Some churches, some churches haven't wanted wanted to get involved in political hassles with the government. So they've been silent on abortion. They didn't want to get involved in hassles from the government. They didn't want to take the fight to the government. So now with the HHS mandate, the government took the fight to them. To that mandate, we've got a simple message for this administration we will obey God rather
0: than that. There you are, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, actually, pro life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our live broadcast. We're live with you this uh, Thursday night, January the 5th. I just came back this afternoon to my headquarters here in Florida after being home for not only the holiday visit, but the sad event of my my dad's uh, funeral, which we had the day before yesterday. Thank you all for your expressions of condolence, support, and prayers. It means a lot. And, uh, of course, we've been dealing also these last couple of weeks with, uh, well, I brought you a few papers here, uh, the whole matter of the... Uh, of the way that some in the church, uh, some in the Vatican have been treating me and my ministry, a ministry that you are so supportive of and so involved in, and that will continue full force. I want to emphasize that with you tonight, not because I'm uh, disobeying or being rebellious against the church by no means but simply because uh, there's nothing about this work that is contrary to the church and so we're going to continue full force in partnership with you in partnership with our entire movement and if because of whatever reasons they have uh, some in the church don't want a, me to be called a priest or don't want me to dress like a priest or call myself father uh, well I'm going to stand humbly Knocking at the door and say, Listen, I've been serving as a priest for 34 years. I have never had a doubt about my vocation and I want to continue doing that. And I will be humbly imploring uh, the Holy Father uh, to uh, readmit me to that for as long as it takes. Because interestingly, and we're going to pray and then I want to be able to answer your questions. I can see your questions and comments right here on my laptop. So ask me anything that you wish. Uh, perhaps uh, people have been asking you about what's going on with me. Perhaps you have a question in your own mind. No question is off the table. Don't feel uh, that you uh, don't don't hesitate to ask me whatever uh, is on your mind, because I'm an open book and I'm I'm uh, always eager to answer your questions. But you know, I have no doubt that this this ministry goes on full force. Because interestingly, even though it's called priests for life, and it's called priests for life because it serves priests. And um, most of the work I do with Preach for Life does not require priestly functions, interestingly enough. Why? Well, one simple example we're teaching priests how to preach the pro life message from the scriptures. I know how to do that. I've been doing it full time for 30 years. And I've written books about it. And I've got the book, you know, Proclaiming the Message of Life. You're familiar, many of you, with that book. Many of you use it for your own devotional. You take the readings of the Sunday Mass. And if you're not Catholic, you know, many of those same readings are are read in the other denominations, too. And you see in the book I explain for each and every Sunday of the year, for three years of Sundays, how you go from those scripture readings to an effective advocacy for the rights of the unborn child. For me to teach that, for me to write about that, for me to train about that, doesn't require priestly functions. It just requires a knowledge of the topic. Networking leaders will be having a pro-life leaders meeting here. It doesn't require priestly functions to lead a pro-life leaders meeting. That doesn't mean I don't want to be uh, uh, ha- have my priestly functions re- restored. It simply means that while I'm humbly, eagerly knocking at the door for that to happen and praying, and I know you're praying with me, I don't have to stop the work that I'm doing. And I don't intend to stop it because you support it. You know i I've pointed out even to some of the the church leaders, again, in as humble and respectful a way as I can, the people are not supporting priests for life because their bishop or their pastor tells them to. People are supporting priests for life because we're saying and doing the things that they wish their pastors and bishops were saying and doing, but they're not. And that's why we're a that's the sense in which we're a reform movement in the church. Not that the teaching has to be changed. The teaching is solid and clear and exactly what it should be. But rather, (laughs) to to give priority to the issue. Now, I want to talk to you about some things here. And um, with very few exceptions, it's not for the purpose of persuading you that You should support me because I know that our audience here, again, with just a few exceptions, is already fully supportive. So we've got each other's back. We know that. I know of your 100 or even someone was just saying a thousand percent support. I just want to equip you because I know I have your support. I want you to be in the know. I I, I want you to be on the inside track. There's nothing about that. And I'm going to explain what this is in a second. There's nothing about this situation that has happened to me that should be a secret. In fact, I've been of exactly the opposite mindset that let's get it all out there. You know, you get something out into the open and that's the best way to to deal with it. Uh, You notice in this whole scenario, who's doing the talking, right? I'm the one doing the talking. Not the not the hierarchy. You know they're not they're not talking when it comes to this. I'm the one doing the talking, and that should that should give people a clue as to who's in the right here. Um, but the fact of the matter is that uh, I want you to be able to answer questions that others raise. I want you to be able to speak in a, in a in a in an informed way on social media uh, about things that other people raise. And by the way, we're not going to be you know uh taken off track here in the sense of of we we're going to be consumed just with talking about this i've had various broadcasts where i've talked about this uh but i also just got finished with a, an hour hour and a quarter long uh, election training uh, seminar just before I, I came on live here. Maybe some of you were on that and now you're watching me here. But we did an election training with dozens and dozens of people from across the country. Prior to that, I was on Real America's Voice right here in our studio doing an interview with Dr. Gina uh, and we were talking actually about something that one of you has already asked me about. Diane has asked me about Diane Powers about a uh, President Trump's uh, statement on Truth Social. Uh, I'll be happy to uh, to comment on that. Uh, here uh, as well. But I was doing a TV interview about that. Uh, I was meeting with my staff about uh, upcoming trips in preparation for the March for Life and the National Prayer Service that I'll be leading. So the work is continuing. You can have no doubt we're not going to be driven off uh, focus. We're going to keep our eyes on the prize. Um, but at the same time, we're not going to ignore the problem that's been happening and we're not going to shrink back from explaining it to you and to everyone who will listen. So let's start by praying in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father, for life. The most fundamental good that you give us, the most basic right on which every other right depends, because Lord, we we know we can't have the right to, 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 to religious freedom if we're not alive. We can't have the right to vote if we're not alive. We can't have the right to work. We can't have the right to health care. We can't have the right to travel. We can't have the right to be protected from terrorism. We can't have anything if we don't have life. And that, Lord, is why the pro-life movement is the most important movement of all. Without life, we have nothing. You are life, O God. May we stop at nothing to preserve this fundamental gift. May we sacrifice ourselves, as Scripture tells us, for the good of our brothers and sisters, that they, especially the most vulnerable, the unborn, may flourish and may live through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let me go to Diane's question right away. It's not not on the topic of all this. I'll get to this in a moment but she asks me what is your reaction to president trump's statement about pro life voters in the midterm elections i'm so disappointed don't be disappointed in in him it it's a social media post i think it it reflects um something that he's probably gotten from some of his advisors. And a lot of these advisors are mistaken on the issue of abortion. If you didn't see it, it was a post the other day where he said, well, you know, I'm not to blame for the losses, losses in the midterms. Well, he's right about that. He's not the one to blame. You know, he doesn't run the campaigns of the the candidates that run for office. The candidates run the campaigns. Uh, he doesn't appoint somebody to, to, uh, be elected in a primary i mean he gets behind people in the primaries but they're elected by the voters somebody says oh the candidate wasn't so great well the voters elected the candidate i mean every one of us is free to endorse and support who we want but you see what i'm saying he's not the one running these campaigns so he's right in in as much as he's not responsible so what is responsible so he had this statement about well it's the abortion issue was badly handled by the republicans to say that the abortion issue was badly handled by certain Republicans is not the same as saying that the abortion issue is the problem. The abortion issue is an electorally winning issue. Look at, for example, the 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 the, the governors races in this um, the governors races in this midterm election. The governors races in this midterm election were won convincingly. By the governors who um, signed into law pro life bills. They won convincingly. They won by large margins. So abortion wasn't a losing issue for them. Did people come out and support abortion? In certain places, Michigan, for example, students were rounded up to support that pro abortion ballot initiative. You know, marginal. Ways in blue states, Uh, the Democrats benefited a little bit, but by and large, I mean, we see over recent elections, the polling, the polling shows uh, that, um, and and I'm talking about multiple polling by multiple groups, uh, including Gallup and and, uh, others, showing that for those voters for whom abortion is a defining issue in their vote, people vote more pro-life than pro-choice. That's been a pattern over many elections. So for people to advise the president or to advise any candidate that abortion's a losing issue, that's simply contrary to fact. Don't worry, it's a a social media post. President Trump was and is the most pro-life president that we've ever had. My hope is that he'll be our next president. To continue the pro-life progress the point is he knows how to get it done that's what we have to keep our eyes on the prize it's okay even if someone has a mistaken idea or several mistaken ideas about the issue he knows how to make progress on the issue and that's why we elect the president now for somebody to be saying you know uh, we're the ones that give the pro-life talks we don't we don't need to be electing people based on 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 what they're going to say about the issue. I want to elect people on on, 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 the, on the legislation they're going to sign and the judges they're going to, they're going to appoint um, and the funding they're going to authorize or block. That's what counts. Keep your eyes on the prize. Okay. Um, let's look at some of these other questions now that are coming. Okay, so what's all this stuff here um, that I have on this table? This is what I've been dealing with the last 21 years when it comes to how some bishops, and I emphasize some, 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 because we've gotten much more support among the hierarchy and from the Vatican for our ministry than we have gotten opposition. Much more support than opposition. But those that create opposition, those that want to try to block our work, some people have said, uh, oh, well, you know, you should get get a lawyer to fight back against this. Well, that's what all this is. Somebody sends a letter to me, a bishop sends a letter, or you can't do this, you can't do that. You see this notebook? This is in response to one letter. Defending ourselves and working the processes of the church. Let's see, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 16, 21, 28, document after document, letter after letter, we've been defending ourselves. You know, it was interesting when they they came out with this thing a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you can no longer function as a priest. By the way, they didn't say the work was was bad work that we do. Okay? They didn't say the work was bad work. They said, you can't function as a priest. They said, oh, well, Father Frank had every opportunity to defend himself. Does this and this Look like I took the opportunity to defend myself. You know who wrote all this? An entire team of attorneys that has been serving me for 21 years. It's amazing sometimes how people, you know, people, again, I'm not saying this to convince you, I'm saying this to equip you so that you can talk to others that, that might ask you. Or you see things, you you see ignorant comments on social media. For 21 years, attorneys, experts in canon law, the law of the church, experts in civil law here in the United States and in Rome have defended me successfully. The Vatican has ruled in my favor multiple times. I worked there in the midst of this. I worked, I was an official of the Vatican. And and sometimes people will write about my situation as if they know something about it, some of my critics, uh, uh, as if they know something about it, and I don't know where in the world they're getting that. that Maybe they just need to be writing, they they needed to, 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 to fill the space for their articles or they needed to say something and they just say things without knowing what in the world they're talking about. I I, I I just wanted to show you here that, you know, this has been, this is not something that, oh, did you respond to that letter? Somebody asked me, or the bishop said this or that. Did you respond to that? Did we respond to it? Take a look at these thousands of pages of documentation here. Again, spanning 21 years of defending this work. Let me see what some of your questions are. Father Frank, I have a problem with Pope Francis. Denise says, I pray for him. Do you believe he's being bought out in a way? I don't know what's going on over there. Like I say, I wrote, I worked at the Vatican. I worked at the Vatican under John Paul II. Things were different then. But a lot of things were the same in the sense that it is a big bureaucracy. It's confusing, very confusing over there. And so I don't know what's going on. What I do know is this. There are a lot of things that the Pope will say and do that um, will confuse us. It's okay to be confused about what a Pope says, what a bishop says, what a priest says. Never be confused about what the faith says. Because the faith is wide open for us all to know. It's in the Scriptures. It's in the Catechism. it's, It's in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's there. That we do not need to be confused about. And that's the only thing that matters that we know and understand. It doesn't matter if I can't understand what a pope or a bishop is saying or doing. It doesn't matter. What matters is, do I understand the faith? And am I trying to live it? Uh, Okay. Let me see here. We're praying for you, Father Frank. Uh, Terry is saying you're a priest forever. You're very much loved. Stay the way you are. Nothing wrong with you or the way you are. Thank you, Terry, for that, very very much. Um, A bunch of a bunch of modernist cowards. The fight against modernism is on. Oh yes, the fight against modernism is on. You know, we just had the funeral of uh, of uh, Pope Benedict, and remember how he talked about the.
1: Dictatorship
0: of relativism—that's uh, part of the um, part of the mon- part of the modernism, the relativism. Everything depends on you know whatever, what each person has his own, his or her own truth, and nothing is is objective out there for uh, for everything uh, uh, that we have to do in this life. Roseanne is making an interesting point here. Roseanne Sheridan, thank you for your comment. Priests for life to me is not just about ordained priests within the church. It is for all of us who are baptized, priest, prophet, and king. Roseanne, you know your you know your 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 doctrine, don't you? You know your theology. It is founded on the priesthood of Christ. Christ being the life for all the world. I pray that whatever has been said to be a problem with you be resolved. Uh, With you being an ordained priest, can be resolved. Meanwhile, be consoled in the knowledge that it's a gift that can never be taken from you, especially in being a Christian who shares in the baptism of Christ. Well said. Good theology. Baptism, as well as ordination, changes us, makes that imprint on the soul, uh, creates a certain relationship there with Christ that can never be taken away. And in that, I also uh, rejoice. Robert Howard, good question. Father, will you be inviting us to a sort of live Matins mornings? Yes, starting tomorrow morning. Now, those of you, when when you know I was permitted to offer the Mass, you would join me for Mass every morning at 10. Well, I'm going to continue coming to you in the mornings at 10. And starting tomorrow morning, you'll see that I'm going to sit in this uh, chair, or sometimes I may stand. We're going to go into the Scriptures, and I'm going to give you the same kind of teaching and the same kind of exhortation that I was giving in those homilies, the same kind of insight into the Scriptures. Because again, if you have the knowledge and the willingness to share it—that's how we encourage one another. I'm going to keep on doing that, and uh, you know, I'm not going to do anything that the church has told me uh, uh, that I can't do. I'm not, uh, you know, disobeying any restriction. Uh, I'm going to share with you uh, the scriptures, and uh, we're going to have a good time doing so. And we're going to, um, and 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 we're going to pray together as well. All right, let me just go through these. Um, uh, these comments oh Eric I wasn't sure I saw this exactly what you're saying Trump telling us not to be so extreme on abortion was very sad to read I I didn't see that what, what if you mean that's the if you mean the post that he put on truth social the other day actually what he was saying uh, was that there were some that were running away from abortion it it was I think he's going to in the coming weeks we can look forward to some further clarification from him that will make us feel better. Because remember, this is just one social media post. Um, But he did point out in there, he said, so many who worked hard against abortion for decades and got what they wanted from the Supreme Court then disappeared and were nowhere to be found. Now I think, and again, he can clarify this for himself, but I think he was talking about the politicians who started to get scared about the issue when they saw the backlash against the Dobbs decision. Now, that was no time to get scared of it, but some of them ran away. Some of them said, oh, we're not gonna, they'd stop talking about it. They stopped putting things on their websites about it. They, they didn't say that they were gonna push for pro-life legislation. Some of the members in Congress say, oh, this belongs to the states now. We don't wanna deal with it. I think President Trump is talking about that and he's saying there that, hey, where did these people go? This was your chance. Uh, And when he said, you know, the Supreme Court gave you what you wanted, of course he's saying with a certain amount of pride, justifiable pride, I got that done for you, okay, by putting those justices on the court. And then he he turned around and he said, well, where, where are you now? Step up to the plate and defend the unborn. Ah, he was talking about the exceptions. He has said in various rallies he believes in the exceptions. But it's not the exceptions that are on the table right now legislatively. Uh, It's getting rid rid of the late-term abortion and it's moving the the protection earlier and earlier into the pregnancy. We've got to do this, and the Congress has got to do this, and we've got to encourage them to do it. Okay, let me take... um, rush call them low information voters isn't that the truth all right so any kind of questions uh, friends that you have when you speak at the california walk for life which i will be speaking i always speak there if you've got there there at the west coast walk for life um tell them to get active with the pregnancy centers and donations especially the spanish-speaking community 76 percent voted for killing up to birth and nine months after Yes, that Proposition 1 in California, right? Terrible. Thank you, Charity 2019. Um, I'm just scrolling through here to see what questions you might have. Trump support will support pro-life and has more than any other president. Absolutely true. No question about it. He is the number one. Uh, number one guy, Trump needs to get out uh, and start campaigning with trusted advisors. Yes, he will. We'll start to see. I think in the spring, uh, some rallies uh, starting up and uh, vigorous rallies, and uh, um, it'll be it'll be good. Fides Catholica itinera. You have created quite a stir. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I presume you're saying that in a in a positive manner. You know, it reminds me of. Um, uh, the Acts of the Apostles when when they, but people were trying to make uh, 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 figure out what to make of these Christians, right? And so one of the the, the the quotes in the Acts of the Apostles people were saying was, these are the people these Christians who have turned the world upside down that's our basic calling as Christians and Some some are afraid of rocking the boat what's a bigger deal, rocking a boat or turning the world upside down we're called to turn the world upside down because the kingdom of God is broken into the world You see what all this is when I had to defend myself over these last 21 years to even do this ministry? Because it strikes at the heart. That's why it causes a stir. When somebody stands up and says, as I have said, and as I continue to say, and as I will say all the days of my life, I am devoted 100%. I want all my time, all my energy to be for the protection of the unborn because abortion is a a radical evil and we've got to confront it in a radical way. Radical means at the root, we're giving our lives. That's what scripture says. God sacrificed his son for us. We are then to sacrifice ourselves for one another. Or in the words, that's the first letter of John, or in the words of Jesus in the gospel of John, love one another as I have loved you. Well, how did he love us? He gave his life. So we're to give our lives for one another. And I have a call to give my life for the unborn. And sometimes we've got to defend our right to do this very basic work. JJ, I don't want to mispronounce your your name, JJ uh, Severing, they make stuff up, don't let them bug you. They do make stuff up. They do make stuff up. They make stuff up about me. Uh, you wouldn't believe it. When one of the bishops, there are various bishops who want to take me as their priest, right? And and this, the bishop I'm under in Amarillo, Texas, and some people in the Vatican don't want to let that happen. In fact, the Pope was advised, hey, you can just let Father Frank transfer to a different diocese I mean, let me explain something to you. If a bishop has a problem with me, and, and the bishop I'm under right now in Amarillo, Texas, if you ask him, what's your relationship with Father Frank? I can tell you what his answer is, because it was his answer to me. He says, there's never been a relationship. That's how bad it is. We can't communicate with each other. And sometimes in the church that happens, and that's why the church, doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong with the priest doesn't mean there's something wrong with the bishop. It means human nature is what it is. Sometimes within a big family, you're going to have friction. And that's why the church provides for the opportunity for a priest to go under a different bishop. It's right there in the law of the church. That's what some of this is about. All this documentation, 21 years of fighting to be able to do my ministry. When one of those bishops who's willing to take me wrote to the vatican to say to tell them he was willing to take me the bishop of amarillo said to them uh, father frank fabricated the letter they make up things about you benjamin he did not slip up or oh, what did benjamin say that i slipped up see see this is also the this is also the funny thing about it which is, what exactly are they saying I did wrong? They can't tell me. They can't tell me. You guys have been watching me for a long time. Have have you ever heard me commit blasphemy here on social media? Because when the nuncio sent that letter to the bishop a couple of weeks ago, he said, oh, Father Frank is uh, guilty of uh, blasphemous communications on social media. You know, I'm a sinner, as we all are, but I can honestly tell you, as I examine my conscience, I'm conscious of many sins that I've committed. I'm a sinner every day. That's how we start the Mass, right? Let us confess our sins. I confess to Almighty God that I have sinned through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. But I can honestly say I am not aware of a sin of blasphemy that I've ever committed. I'm not aware. Joseph is asking, Joseph is a faithful watcher of our programs. Any direct contact with the bishop who did this to you? Joseph um, and everybody let, let, let me let me let me spend a few minutes on this because this is this is a uh, this is an important question. The bishop primarily responsible though, he's not acting on his own, and we know that for a fact. The bishop who is primarily responsible for this, is the Bishop of Amarillo, Texas. That's the diocese that technically I have been incardinated in. I guess they don't consider me incardinated there anymore because they don't consider me a priest anymore. But the the place where I was was in Amarillo, Texas. Okay. I've had a lot of direct communication with that bishop. The first direct communication I had with him was at a... um, and, I'm, and I want to trace a little bit of this, so that again, I'm not trying to convince any of you to support me because you already do. I'm trying to equip you, so that you you can explain these things to others. It was at a reception at the U.S. Bishops Conference. We would have these receptions. Priests for Life would be invited there, and, and in fact, we still go there. Different different of our team members go there. We were just at their November meeting, um, November uh, this past, and we have a pro life reception they come in they listen to some talks they have some some drinks some food so we were having this reception one year and besides bishops priests there were some of our donors and supporters there and any bishops any bishops that were there at the general meeting could come into the reception as they pleased so he was not yeah i was not yet in that that diocese but this bishop now zurich came into the reception And if he sees this, if he watches this video, he'll perhaps remember this incident. He made one of our supporters who was there, a wonderful woman, cry because he berated her for uh, her support of us and uh, of the idea that we should be having priests preach more about abortion. She came to me in tears. Oh, this man doesn't like you or what you're doing. He's against you. And he wasn't even yet, (laughs) quote, my bishop. And then he comes up to me. This is bad, he said. This is bad. We can't have priests preaching all the time about abortion. You're hearing me, right? What happened here? And some people say, "Oh, this isn't about your pro-life work." Yeah, right. This is bad. We can't have priests preaching all the time about abortion. I said, "Bishops, we're not asking them to preach or every day on abortion. We're just equipping them to preach on it as the church wants us to do." Oh, this is bad. This is bad. That was my first direct contact with this man. Then, when when he got it came into the diocese where I was incarnated, Amarillo. He said, uh, sits down with me for a meeting. Um, I don't dislike you, and my wish for your ministry is not death. Well, what, kind of a, what kind of a discussion starter is that? My wish for your ministry is not death? It's like if I meet one of you and you tell me you, you run a restaurant. My wish for your restaurant is not death. My wish for your restaurant is not that you go out of business. What, kind of, what normal person even talks that way? I've had many direct contacts with him, and then he tried to restrict my, my ministry. And um, remember in 2011, I was out on the road. i have been doing Priests for Life almost 20 years. I started doing it in 1993. Now I've been doing it for 30 years. But I started it full-time in 1993. I'd been on the road, met with many of you, preached in hundreds of churches, Prayed in front of almost every abortion facility in America. Visited most of the pregnancy centers. And he abruptly, publicly, asks me to come back to the diocese. doesn't want me traveling around doing this work anymore because he wants to look more closely at what I'm doing and he wants me to understand better what it means to be a priest. So he told me to come back on September 13th of 2011 And I did. Even though I thought it was an an unwarranted request, I obeyed. I came back on September 13th of 2011. And on that day, brothers and sisters, he got on a plane to Brazil. Bishop, if you're watching, you never told me why, if this was so important, to you that you wrote to every bishop in America about this. It got leaked to the media, I don't know by whom, and it was on the AP wire service and in all the Catholic press and secular press across the nation that you had suspended me from ministry outside the diocese. I'm gonna ask you, and because you've never answered this question, why on earth did you leave the country that day? do any of you that are listening to me right now think that that expresses care for the priest that you just plucked up out of a successful national ministry ordering him to come back and then you leave the country i'm sorry i I don't mean to i i i'm not i'm not inclined to speak ill of people but my reputation is at stake here and and the good of my ministry God entrusts us with a ministry; we've got to defend it. God entrusts us with a with a reputation; we've got to defend it. The man leaves the country, and he used the word "suspend." When uh, "suspend" means you're punishing the priest, I wasn't being punished. I wasn't even being uh, 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 told I was doing anything wrong. He just wanted me to come back to you know, give me a period of reflection and. consideration of what i was doing another direct contact i had you know when he did that to me and tried to restrict my ministry i appealed to the vatican now that's not disobedience any more than going into court if you feel your rights have been violated you could go into court right you could challenge a law challenging a law in court is not the same as disobeying the law right i mean that's why we have a court system because our government foresees that sometimes there will be conflicts. So you got to have a court system to resolve the conflicts, right? It doesn't mean you're being disobedient to the law. It means you're asserting that the law is treating you unfairly. So when he tried to restrict my ministry in 2011, I went back to the place where he told me to go, but at the same time I went to the Vatican after asking him to reconsider. And he said, no, that's the process you use. It's all laid out. In church law, and by the way, this—that's what this is all about. His trying to restrict my ministry and me appealing to the Vatican. The Vatican came down on my side, and that's what I want to tell you about. Because Joe, this—this this is all pertinent to your question. Because the, I'm going to tell you about the—the the face-to-face interaction I, I had with this—with this man. Then I'll tell you another story after that. Friends, the Vatican ruled in my favor. That's part of this paperwork too. So he calls me up and he says, I'm restoring you fully without restriction. This was in the spring of 2012. All right. So this is a decade and a a decade ago. I am restoring you full-time without restriction to your ministry. You may travel, you may preach, you may broadcast, you may do priests for life. Okay, great. I was so relieved. My staff, we were crying with joy. One week later, he calls me into his office and he reverses himself completely. And Bishop, if you're watching this, would you please explain why you did that? Because to this day, I don't understand that. We get a ruling from the Vatican and 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 you say father frank go and do your ministry and then one week later you tell me i can't travel i can't preach i can't concelebrate mass in public uh i can't broadcast on ewta i can in what world is that normal can anybody who's watching right now explain and can anyone also explain how you would feel if that happened to you Let's say whatever job you're doing, they, they kick you off the job. And you appeal it in your company. And they reinstate you in your position. And then one week later, they call you into your office and they take away your job again. I mean, did we enter into, what is that thing called? What is it called? it The matrix? I mean, did we enter into an alternate reality here? Because that's how I feel. <laughs> All this paperwork is story after story after story. Factual story of how I've been mistreated. And I don't say that lightly. I'm not a complainer. You know me. Some of you know me better than others. I'm not a complainer. I'm not a, 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 a I don't like to say bad things about people, but when people are dishonest with me or when people treat me in a way that is just not normal, I'm going to defend myself. It's not disobedience. It's not rebellion. It's using the processes of the church to defend yourself. So when this happened, I said, what on earth is going on here? He never explained it to me. And then he said, then he said, this was an effort to explain it, but I'll show you why it wasn't an explanation. Please follow, bear with me here. Again, I know you're on my side, but I want you to be able to correct others when they start to say crazy things. So the guy says, you can't do your ministry anymore because Archbishop Celso Morga, who at that time was the second in command over in Rome at the Congregation for Clergy, which is the office that takes care of priests, right? Chelso Morga told me I could not. He told me most firmly. I have this in writing, by the way. This is all at that. You saw that website going across the bottom. We could put it there again. FRFrankPavone.com has all the history of this. You'll see the original letters. You'll see the emails. You'll see a lot of this documentation. It's all out there. I have nothing to hide. So he says, "Chelso Morga told me I, I, most firmly that I could not restore you to your ministry at this time. There were some, then he laid out some conditions and so forth. Okay. That didn't sound right to me because they had just issued a decree saying that I could do my work. So guess what I did? I flew to Rome to meet with Archbishop chelso Morga, who granted me a meeting. And I said to him, Archbishop, I have flown across the ocean to ask you one question did you tell my bishop that he could not allow me to do my pro-life work? And he said, no! What I told him is that he should be generous in letting you do your pro-life work. You heard me right. Look at the scenario here. The Vatican tells the bishop let the priest do his pro-life work. The bishop tells the priest that the Vatican said, no, you can't. So who's being disobedient? You tell me. In that scenario, the Vatican tells the bishop to let the priest do the pro-life work. The bishop tells the priest, the Vatican said, you can't do the pro-life work. Who's being disobedient? This is all documented. This isn't, this isn't your imagination here. These are This is all documented. And frfrankpavone.com. I, I can't tell you how many people think they know about my situation, and that some of them get on their high horse. And you know where the problem is? Many of you are evangelicals. The problem is not with the evangelicals. The problem's not with the atheists. I got a lot of pro-life atheist supporters. Problems with the Catholics. Some of the Catholics. And, 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 and certain specific people who, I guess they have nothing better to do than to, you know, put out blogs. And some of you are watching, I'm sure, and you know who you are. And you should be ashamed of yourselves. They get on their Catholic high horse. Oh, they know their canon law, and they know their theology. And they think they know all of this. They haven't read a page of this. So getting back to the story, I go to see Chelso Morga, and he says, No, 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 no. I told the bishop that he should be generous in, in letting you do your pro-life work. And subsequently... You can read the letter on the website. It says, of course the bishop is free to let you do your work. So the the question then remains, why didn't you let me do the work? And why did you have to go to the point of convincing someone at the Vatican that I should be thrown out of the priesthood? See, they couldn't get me to not do the work. Because the work, as the Vatican itself said, is in line with the church. How can it not be? Friends, you know what I do. We're saving babies. We're healing people from the wounds of abortion. We're, we're electing pro-life candidates. We're passing pro-life laws. We're getting Roe v. Wade overturned. How we're leading people in prayer. We're teaching priests how to preach on this. How is this not good work? I mean, I'm 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 uh, I can always learn. I, I always try to learn. If I've made a mistake, if something goes wrong, the first question I ask is, what did I do wrong to bring this about? But it's not that I dwell on that question. I ask myself honestly, and if I don't find I did anything wrong, then and I ask my advisors, and I've got spiritual directors, and I've got people that I rely on. And the first thing I ask is, okay, am I responsible for something going wrong here? Because, you know, we can all learn from, we all have to learn every single day from our experiences. It's unbelievable, isn't it? That can tell them, let me do my work. He tells me they told me that I can't. And and then the question is, maybe the bishop wants to come on and and, uh, explain this to us,
1: is it that he didn't understand? Is it that he didn't understand the direction that was given to him?
0: Or is it that he lied? Uh, I'm not saying which it is because I don't know. I'm just raising the question. Because something's going on there, something's wrong. In that scenario, something's very wrong. And then he has me in another meeting, and he says, Oh, Charity 2019, you're you're a gem. Father Frank is clear, articulate, and available to us as a pastor. No one else does this that I know of. You know what, charity? Let let me and I love that name by the way. It's sad. Too many pastors are in a run-and-hide mentality. Isn't that what frustrates so many of us in the people of God? They run and hide. They're like scared little children. When the going gets tough, they run and hide. By the way, all this stuff that's been happening to me, who's the one doing the talking? Has the Bishop of Amarillo gotten in front of the TV cameras? And you know what I did when this first came out? I said, hey, anybody that's familiar with my case, there's a lot of church officials that are familiar with all this documentation here. I invited any one of them that wants to come on this program right here and sit in. Zach, bring me one of those. Bring me one of those chairs, one of the additional. I'm going to show I invited them to come on this very program, sit right next to me side by side. Here, I'm going to put an empty chair here just to dramatize what I'm saying here. Here we go. Look, they could sit right in this chair, okay, and talk with us. You don't have to take my word for it. That's why I put all this documentation out there. There's an empty chair sitting here. Anybody that knows anything about this, I'm not talking about these arrogant, ignorant, Catholic commentators, okay, and I'll get into names if I have to, who write articles about me thinking they know what in the world they're talking about and they don't. I'm not talking about them because they're ignorant. They wouldn't be able to say anything about any of this. I'm talking about those who know. Because this paper didn't come out of nowhere. There were people who wrote letters. There were people who worked in these offices. People who work at the Vatican. People who work in Amarillo, Texas. I'm saying to you once again right now what I said a few weeks ago. You come and you sit in this chair. And if I'm saying something that's wrong, you point it out to me and to this audience. Because this audience deserves the truth about what's in here. And believe me, there's not a page of what's in here. That I'm not willing to, to and mu- much of this I have posted, is not a page here that I'm not willing to show to all the world on the front page of the New York Times. Got nothing to hide. But they do. Because you know what? They're not going to sit in this chair. I'll give them all the time they need to make their case. I'll give them all the air time they need to prove me wrong about any of this. But they won't come. They won't respond to reporters. They won't take persons' phone calls. I'm sure many of you have called. So you you judge for yourselves. You know, they said when they when they dismissed me from the priesthood, they said, oh, this is there's no possibility of appeal. Yeah, nonsense. Nonsense. You know why that's nonsense? No possibility of appeal? Because, first of all, there is. You go to the Pope and you ask him to reconsider. We all know it's 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 Ecclesiology 101. There's nobody in the church higher than the Pope on a human level. Of course, Jesus Christ is Lord of the church. But we know on a human level, as far as church leadership, there's no one higher than the Pope. You don't have to remind us of that. But what the Pope does, the Pope can undo. And what the current Pope might not want to undo, the next Pope can undo. So yeah, there's appeal. But there's two other... Or I should say three other forms of appeal. One is the appeal to one's own conscience. My conscience is clear, and that's why I'm talking, but they're not. My conscience is clear, and there's also the appeal to you. There's the appeal to the people of God. Because sometimes the leaders mess things up. Sometimes the leaders lie about you, and so you have to go to court, so to speak. That's what this is. You got to go to church court. That's what this is, and then you got to go to the people of God. And you know, I'm laying all this out so you can be you can be the judges. You can be the judges, and then of course the ultimate appeal. We're all going to stand, as Scripture says, before the judgment seat of Christ. Brenda, thank you for the kind comment. Is because you are more learned and much more smart and have keen insight into all things. Um, Oh, Maurice, I like this comment. Send me your comments, friend. Let me know what you think. Send me your questions. I'll answer anything. Dearest Father Frank, Maurice says, the minute you stay quiet, that will be the minute Satan will win. Keep fighting the good fight. We are praying for you. Thank you. Linda Milburn, can I still donate to the priest for life? Oh, of course, absolutely. In fact, our donations have increased ever since this happened. You know why? Because I, And I've explained this to some of the bishops. You know, some of the motive here, they want our money, is what this boils down to. And so, but I said to them, well, you're not going to get our money because, first of all, it's ours. And secondly, the people aren't donating to us because you tell them to. I'm saying this to the bishops, right? The people aren't donating to us because you tell them to. The people are donating to us because we're saying and doing the things that they wish you were saying and doing, but you're not. Because a lot of them are cowards. I, not all. I'm not generalizing. There's many, many, many courageous bishops that are speaking up. They're friends of mine. I've known a lot of them since before they became bishops. But there's a little website going across the bottom of our screen, prolifegift.org. Of course you can donate to Priest for Life. We're a we're a we're a, a, a tax exempt organization. We're a corporation, independent corporation. We have our own governing board. We have Wall Street financial experts uh, watching over our finances. They gave us again just we had our board meeting just a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, um, um, and they gave us another clean bill of health. Um, Eric is saying, where is Father reading questions from? Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube? Uh, all of them. I'm getting a stream here that is combining all the platforms. Donald, fearless Frank Pavone. Thank you for that. Joe, father, Father's teaching is wonderful. Thank you for that. Linda, looking forward to tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thank you for that. Loretta, prayers from New Zealand. Thank you. Thank you for that. Charity again. I watched your mass every day. Your homilies were unique and valuable. You are a mainstream pastor, normal and practical. Uh, Yes. And you'll continue to hear the very same same kind of messages. Don't worry. I'm worried. Startup admin is saying I'm worried. Father will not have a place to live or an income. Don't worry about that. The people are with us. All of you are with us. I I, I live in this building here, our headquarters. We've got a firm foundation, but but we need you to stick with us, obviously. But you will, and uh, don't worry about um, don't worry about that. Okay, uh, let's see if there's any other questions here. Uh, we need a new pope. Uh, some of you are saying. Uh, one of you is saying, such hypocrisy, See, Francis just pardoned, a rapist of nuns. He was defrocked but now elevated. How crazy is this? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, Going on to questions on other topics, Father Frank, do you know if President Trump will be at the March for Life this year? That would be truly awesome. Uh, I don't know of any plans uh, for him to be there, but it would be awesome. And of course, it's to his great credit that he was the first president to physically be there in uh, in uh, in in person. Um, uh, All right, let me see what else is here. Tim is saying, Father Frank and President Trump are both attacked so viciously because of their godly effectiveness and sacrifice. Well, thank you for that. Um, uh, Joseph is asking, Father, what does your brother do for a living? I have a younger brother, two years younger. Uh, he does computer work. He's a computer technician, and uh, he has worked for companies. He has worked on his own uh, in the computer field, and uh, that, is, um, that is his work. Joe is his name, as my father's name was. Um, Lisa, I applaud you for all the work you do, and I wonder why all Christian churches do not come together with you and your work against abortion. More can be accomplished when people work together. Now, Lisa, thank you for that. It's so true. One of the greatest joys I have in this movement is the interdenominational nature of it. Just today, just the, well, what is it now? Oh, it's almost 10 o'clock. We're going to have to wrap up here. Um, Just, uh, what was it, about eight hours ago, I had a board meeting of the National Pro-Life Religious Council. I serve as the president of that group. And uh, that is an interdenominational group working to end abortion. In it are, for example, the Anglicans for Life, the Presbyterians pro-life, the United Methodist uh, pro-life group called LifeWatch. In it are people of various different denominations. The Lutherans are involved. Um, And I head up this interdenominational group. So we all work together. And in fact, they drafted in that meeting, they, they approved a statement of support for me. Unanimous support against the nonsense that some in the church are, are launching against me. But um, but we so in other words, in response to your question, we are working together. We are working together across denominational lines. We are working together across the body of Christ. Uh, We have the, the, and this is not the only organization, this National Pro Life Religious Council, that does this. So be encouraged. That is happening. The national prayer service that I'll be leading, and let me conclude by again inviting you to come to that. Friday, January 20th, the day of the March for Life, if you're in Washington, come to the national prayer service. National prayer service dot com you can get the info and we'll be as it'll be from 8 30 to 10 30. uh there'll be a mass at 7 30 but 8 30 to 10 30 the prayer service itself leaves you plenty of time when we finish to for you to go over to the the march for life rally as we will be going to and uh we have a great time and you'll see there again the interdenominational nature of uh this movement It's not as strong as it should be, can always be stronger. But I would say that the pro-life movement is the best and strongest example of interdenominational collaboration for the cause of human rights. You see it in the pregnancy centers, Catholics and other Christians working together. You see it in the prayer vigils outside abortion facilities. We've even seen it in the history of this movement in sitting side by side in jail cells When people have been arrested, not for violence, but for peacefully intervening to save the lives of the unborn. Christians have been rubbing shoulders, and the unity of Christians has gotten deeper because of the pro-life movement. In a couple of weeks, when we have the anniversary of Roe v. Wade and we have the March for Life, we also have, during that very same period of time, this is interesting, The anniversary of Roe v. Wade always falls in the middle of the annual Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. Did you know that? January 18th to 25th every year is designated as a Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. And right in the middle of that is the pro-life march, because right in the middle of that is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And right in the middle of that, with that march, you have one of the greatest examples of Christian unity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together tonight. Uh, we, we come with malice for none, charity to all, but Lord, ready to speak the truth and to defend ourselves where necessary. Lord Jesus, I know that, that these people here, if I may pray personally, are great supporters And encouragers of me and of the work that you have given me to do, Lord. It is from you, I have no doubt. And so, Lord, I ask you to bless them. And I ask you humbly that the priestly ministry that I've been able to exercise for 34 years will be restored. But I thank you, Lord, too, that the pro life ministry that I do continues full force and the support for it continues. Full force. Thank you, Lord, for that. We are not stopping. We are not turning around. We are not slowing down. As was said in the civil rights movement by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we're not going to let anything turn us around because babies need to be saved, children need to be protected, and hearts wounded by abortion need to be healed. Lord, nothing's going to turn us around because pro life candidates need to be elected. And pro-life laws need to be passed. And pro-life court decisions need to be issued. Lord, we're not going to let anything turn us around. Because the mom who tonight is in such fear and despair that she wants to go tomorrow to have her baby killed needs someone to stand in the gap, needs someone to stand up and stand in front of her and be present at that abortion mill and say, No! Don't do this! You can't kill your baby. Not only do you not have any right to do so, but it's going to destroy not just your baby, but you. And Lord, we need people that are going to stand up and intervene. Nothing can nothing can wait. That can't wait. That can't wait for anything. It's got to be done tomorrow because that person's going tomorrow to that abortion mill. So Lord, we're not going to let anything turn us around. We're not going to let anything slow us down or take us off the track of this marvelous movement for life. Thank you for the support of all those that are joining us right now. Thank you for the gift of life and for the privilege of defending it. Let's pray now in the words Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. God bless you, and we'll talk to you over these next few days. I'll be with you at 10 AM tomorrow with scripture and some vigorous exhortations. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. God bless you.
1: But you know what? When you and I take up this call and we talk about abortion,
0: this has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.